Glass listeners, welcome back to The Infinite Room, a little space in which Looking Glass imagines big things. I'm Andy White, ensemble member and director of community engagement, and when last we gathered in The Infinite Room, we talked about whether and how theater can change the world. We spoke to Looking Glass ensemble member David Schwimmer and Alexander Zeldin, writer and director of our 2017 production of Beyond Caring. And mostly we talked about theater that takes place, you know, inside a theater. But that, of course, is not the only kind of theater people do or that Looking Glass puts into practice. Looking Glass, like many theaters, works in classrooms and in parks and in community field houses and with people of all ages and all ranges of experience with theater. All over the world, performance, storytelling, and theater tools are used in communities to address problems and develop solutions, to teach and to learn, to build a sense of solidarity and connection. And this kind of practice outside of the theater can have just as much impact as what we do on stage, sometimes even more. Today, we're going to hear from people who have been directly impacted by that kind of work and who, in turn, have directly impacted others. Our guests today are Tim Bell, Executive Director of the Chicago Workers Collaborative, Jasmine Cardenas, she's a Looking Glass teaching artist as well as a storyteller, actor, and activist, and Isabel Martinez, who has been a worker in many factories around Chicago and is now an organizer with the Chicago Workers Collaborative. I spoke first with Tim and Jasmine. Tim and Jasmine, thank you very much. Welcome to the Infinite Room. Thanks for joining the conversation today. <laughs> Tim, could you talk a little bit about the mission of Chicago Workers Collaborative and particularly how you came to this work too, because I'm curious about both of those things. Hi, Andy. Uh, yeah, I came to this work because I lived in Mexico for a number of years and participated in a number of uh, organizing projects, mostly with the Catholic Church and Liberation Theology to do community organizing work. And out of that work, there was an organization that was created called the Chicago Workers Collaborative, which is focused on ending the exploitation of low-wage workers. Initially, we were working primarily with undocumented immigrant workers uh, in Chicago, working in factories and increasingly in temporary staffing agencies. What the collaboratives tries to do is give voice to those who are voiceless in the workplace and give power to the powerless so that conditions can be improved and changed so that they can create a harmonious workplace that's fulfilling and life-sustaining for them and, and also for the, for the company as well. And I know you work primarily with the sector of temporary laborers of temps, right? Why and how did you come to work with that sector in particular? Uh, because that's the that's the fastest growing sector in the uh, in the labor market for low wage workers, especially workers of color, Latinx and African American workers are the primary are by far the the, the most common workers in the uh, staffing industry. So, for example. Uh, if a worker is undocumented, they can't get a job directly hired through a company. They have to go through a temp agency uh, in order to work at that company because that company will check your papers, but they won't check your papers if you're if you're going in through a temp agency. The same is true for African-American workers who are formerly incarcerated, which is a, a huge number of, of African-American workers who've been criminalized uh, through the war on drugs and so on. When someone has a background and tries to get a job, 
there's a check done to see whether or not the person has a criminal record. Or even there's a box on the application that says you have to check if you've ever been convicted or arrested for any reason. And so when someone checks that box, then they're told, oh, you can't work here directly. You have to go through a temp agency. And so for that worker to go in to get a job, they have to go to a temp agency to work at a factory or a warehouse or a hotel or most any kind of workplace now uh, in, in this country, you have to go through a temp agency to, to, to do that kind of work. There's a reason why companies are using temps, and that's because they don't want any responsibility towards those workers. They don't want to they don't want to be responsible if that worker gets injured. They don't want to be responsible if that worker doesn't get paid or doesn't get paid overtime or if that worker is sexually harassed or discriminated against. The companies basically wipe their hands of that and say, oh, it's the, it's the fault of the temporary agency. In COVID-19, you see that extreme, you know, like clearer than ever uh, because the, the temporary workers are seen as throwaway workers, like almost disposable cups that once you know they're sick or, or or not able to work anymore they're 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 just simply dismissed and someone comes and takes their place how did chicago workers collaborative and looking glass cross paths i got a call from a reporter uh at propublica uh which had done a series of investigative reports on the temporary staffing industry uh across the country it was the first really major journalistic exposé of the sexual harassment, the discrimination, the wage theft, the, the ways workers are abused in this industry. And, and so we invited HBO Vice to come and film here in Chicago. And in the course of its filming, they talked to a lot of workers. Isaura Martinez was a worker, a temporary worker, who was a member of the Chicago Workers Collaborative. She'd been taking actions uh, at, her, at, at the company she was placed at to improve conditions there. So HBO Vice did an interview with her. Later, the, the, there was uh, something called uh, Permanently Temporary, a series put out on HBO Vice, which was seen by David Schwimmer. And David wanted to come to Chicago and to learn more about what was going on in the temp industry in Chicago. So David and I, and also Alex Zeldin, who was looking to team up with David to do a play called Beyond Caring, which had become an important piece of drama in and theater in England. So Alex came with David and met with Isaura and also uh, we went around to a lot of the temp agencies in in Chicago that were, you know, packed with workers in the morning waiting to get sent out to work. And so David Schwimmer and Alex Zeldin, you know, they went into the temp agencies and they saw what was going on. They saw lots and lots of really desperate workers trying to get a job and mostly African-American workers because the, the Latino uh, undocumented workers were actually getting sent out to work while the African-American workers were being passed over in, in, a, in a system of exploiting the immigrants and, and not giving work and discriminating against African-Americans. With that initial set of visits, there were two visits to Chicago, and then uh, inviting some of the workers like Isaura to come and work with the actors to show uh, the actors how it is inside of a factory uh, when you're a temp worker. So what Isaura did was she became like, a, she started acting like a supervisor 
and telling the actors uh, who are going to be in the play to do this and do that and, and shut up. Or if you don't like it, the door is open. You can leave and we'll find someone else to take your place. And everyone was like, what the heck is she doing? <laughs> well, this is how it is. And, it's, and it, you know, if your work is a temp, you know, and, yeah. and she would yell at them and she would grab them. And, and they were like shocked by how, how abusive the situation was. Right. Mm. So that's how our paths crossed. Um, Jasmine, I know you were a part of that initial experience yes. as well. <laughs> I, really, I was really grateful for that yeah. opportunity um, because in the workshop process of it, I, I started out as assistant director to Alex Zeldin and, and David Schumer and um, was kind of a go-between helping to facilitate coordination with the Chicago workers, workers that were going to be coming in to like give their testimonies and tell their stories to the actors and the cast and the crew. And um, so I, I was really excited to be a part of that process as an actor getting to watch the process of, uh, of characters coming together based on real life individuals. That was really exciting. And as an artist who cares about our social well-being, it was just heartbreaking to hear these stories of abuse that were happening today at that point and factories right here in Chicago, right in our neighborhoods and in surrounding suburbs. Looking Glass did a wonderful job of partnering with Chicago Workers Collaborative throughout the process so that the actual workers were able to come and see the performance and participate in talkbacks, as well as other partner organizations, neighborhood organizations, worker organizations. Um, but then when it finished, I approached Tim because I was still really frustrated at the the level of abuse that uh, the workers were experiencing. And I said to Tim, you know, Tim, I use this technique called theater of the oppressed to work in communities around conflict resolution and to try to find solutions where there are problems. I'd love to do a workshop with you guys if you would be interested in the future some point. And Tim said yes. So through this technique, you know, this technique theater of the oppressed was developed by Augusto Boal in Brazil um, in the 70s in the 60s and 70s during the dictatorship. And it was all about activating working people to try to, um, through critical analysis, which is uh, the pedagogy of Paulo Freire, through critical analysis of their situation, try to find solutions and then act them out. And so the, mm -hmm. the idea of theater of the press is not to act them out in the, in the realm of theater, but to act them out in real life in order to get a real life change where there is oppression, where, where workers or people are being oppressed by an individual, an organization, by a system. It's about trying to find real change. And so that summer we brought um, Augusto Boal's son, Julian Boal, to Chicago. And um, I approached Chicago Workers Collaborative and said, I would love to host a workshop where Julian teaches and would that work? Would you be interested? And lucky, luckily for me, Tim was totally on board. He was like, absolutely. He knew the power of theater to activate workers. Yeah. That summer workshop ended up launching this now four-year relationship as an artist, kind of an artist in residence, kind of an artist in partnership with Chicago Workers Collaborative, that, which I've been doing. The, the temporary workforce is a silenced workforce, uh, primarily due to retaliation and the fear of losing work. Uh, the theater gives an opportunity for temporary workers to, outside of work, uh, develop a voice 
and be able to tell their stories. And it develops your ability to have a voice and to be able to speak in public about the things uh, that are affecting their lives. It's a very powerful leadership development tool for people who do not have a voice, who are not heard, who feel they have no power. Then it's also a collective, it's a collective activity, which is really important because in the workplace, the bosses have power because they divide workers and make workers feel like they can only uh, pursue solutions to injustices as individuals. When we know that, or at least in, 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 in labor organizing, the goal is always to unite the workforce so that workers have an equal voice to the company uh, to be able to negotiate for better conditions. So the practice of theater itself is, is about workers uniting. And when we include in a theater group, which is what we've done with, uh, with Jasmine, African-American and Latinx workers who are often pitted against each other over jobs, then that becomes even more powerful. Jasmine, can you talk yes. a little about like what what is what does rehearsal look and feel like uh and build feel free to build off of tim's comments but i'm just curious what happens in the room being an arts educator with with looking glass for now i don't know 18 years or something like that you know i'm always developing ensembles of young people but then also adults um and so our rehearsals experience begins in the most basic ensemble driven way when the group gathers we do a check-in in a circle and then we start doing warm-up activities that are super traditional in theater you know whether it's passing energy passing the clap making sure we're starting to build eye contact and recognition because the workers don't necessarily always work together the workers are just temp workers from all across the city of chicago or maybe they're specific to a neighborhood for that day, but mm -hmm. they don't necessarily have a relationship with each other. And like Tim said, some of sometimes the workers don't speak the same language because we have uh, monolingual English, uh, African American workers and monolingual Spanish uh, Latino workers. And so I lean heavily into ensemble based work so that we could learn how to communicate from a physical place and from a of a place of sound and movement and from a place of visual images, which is, you know, image theater, if you know what theater the oppressed is. And so we're telling stories first non-verbally. And then when they start experiencing the recognition, oh yeah, that happened to me. Oh, oh, I know what that is. That's, that's the boss telling her to be quiet. Even if she's, even if the scene is taking place in Spanish because it's being done with images and sounds in Spanish an American a non-Spanish non speaker will respond to it because they've had that same level of abuse. And so they immediately, we begin to be to create connection between the workers that are in the group based on shared experiences that they're playing out in physical gestures and in physical uh, statues and images that we're, that we're doing in, in, the, in the rehearsal. So the process might begin, uh, might begin in a very quiet way because we might not have the same language to speak, but then it becomes a very physical and like loud and exciting. And there's a lot of laughter. I come to the work always with the intention that if you're having fun, then you're learning. If you're having fun, then we're growing. 
if it's uncomfortable, no one's going to want to jump in. If it's, if it feels judgmental, no one's going to want to come in. So building a safe space is really important. Could you describe a scenario that the group has developed? Um, and then also who you perform for. We have kind of created a, a three focused intention. One is to educate other workers. And we do that by uh, taking scenes and going to church basements and bilingual school committees at Chicago Public Schools and uh, work worker group ex- events that are public events out on the street or, or to, you know, other spaces where there are other workers, uh, worker groups. Mm-hmm and tell those stories because sometimes those stories are about their rights. We were invited by the night out in the parks last year to perform at several different parks on the north side, south side, and west side. And we were Mm -hmm. able to kind of give organizing technique through theater to working class people around Chicago. And then do you get response from the audiences oh, for yes. whom you performed? Like, do they, they yeah, jump so in the, describe that? Process. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll provide a, a mo, you know, a scene like that. And without solving the answer, we'll turn to the audience and say, does this seem okay? What are you not okay with? And then we ask the audience to, where's the problem? And then we try to do the scene again and we ask them to tell us to stop when they're ready to jump in. And then they'll jump in and they'll try to solve the problem with their own ideas that they have about the scenario mm-hmm. as they see it. And so we, we do that a couple different times and, and see who in the audience has different ideas. And we ask them, what did you think of that? Was that legitimate? Could that actually happen? Was that a good idea? And the workers who are the public are able to jump in and play with us. And in that setting, we actually move from being a performance to being an interactive workshop where we get them on the stage with us or we just move out into the park altogether. So there might be another scene like the one where this uh, supervisor um, uh, fires an older worker because she's not moving fast enough for him. Uh, There's no other reason that she's fired other than her age. And the other workers in the line are saying, no, 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 she's fine. She's a good worker. They're trying to defend her. And the, and the factory owner puts pressure on them to be quiet and, you know, fires this worker. That same factory owner then goes uh, along the workers who happen to be all women and then brushes himself against their bodies and actually starts to uh, sexually harass one of them and then grabs her from the behind. Uh, and in that scenario, we're doing those kind of scenes for the public who don't think these events are happening, these, these kind of abuses yeah. happening. You know, we have to educate right. ourselves about how... When workers don't have power because they're not in a union, because they maybe don't speak the language, because maybe they're afraid to lose their job because they just came out of being incarcerated and it's the only job they could get. So they move quietly and quickly because they don't want to they don't want to get in trouble that those silenced Mm -hmm. workers have needs, basic needs, and that we need to provide safety for them. We need to change the law to protect them. Can you talk a little bit about the legislation? I I know it was like right after Beyond Caring, but there was a piece of legislation that you were advocating for um, that was, I think, passed by the Illinois Mm -hmm. legislature. Yeah, it it was uh, called the Responsible Jobs Creation Act. Uh, It's the strongest set of uh, regulations and protections for temporary workers in the United States. It passed in 19, uh, excuse me, 2017. Yeah. And, and, and I remember uh, David, when Beyond Caring was being presented at Looking Glass, invited the sponsor of that bill, Representative Carol Ammons from Champaign, to come and see the play. And she was very moved by Beyond Caring and, 
And she actually used that as a tool on Twitter to promote a law that she was trying to push at the same time. It's been really exciting to partner in the workers who are brave enough to take actions and using theater, right? Giving them another way. There is, we absolutely show up with signs and we yell and we chant and we do that, but it's, but you can grab a lot more attention if you do something that is a piece of spectacle that does stop the passerby and make Mm -hmm. them hear a a phrase or a statement that makes them stop, you know, so that it's it's more than just um, listen to us or, or we have rights. It's, it's don't touch me, you know, Oh, come here. I want to touch you. You know, that makes a passerby stop. I'm not a therapist and I don't run our rehearsals as a therapist. And I remind the group members that I'm not a therapist uh, to keep us safe. I want them to only go as far as they want to share. But they're carrying so much pain that even sharing just a little is incredibly relieving. Mm -hmm. To see another worker who they didn't realize also is touched by their story because they've experienced it as well. And when they speak up and they hear each other, it's like we spend a lot of time crying sometimes. When you're silenced and you don't have a voice and you never get to speak up, getting to speak up a little makes a huge difference. How have you and the workers been impacted by COVID-19? We jumped into creating something out of the need that the workers had. Because when the COVID-19 hit and our governor shut down non-essential work, our workers are considered essential workers because they're working in factories that are producing hand soaps and lotions and hand sanitizer and face masks and food. They're part of the food distribution line, whether they're in a warehouse or whether they're in a factory uh, cooking food and packaging food because they're bakeries and things like this. Uh, and they were not getting taken care of. And their fear was uh, very forefront. And so they started calling me. And I spent the first two weeks of that lockdown on the phone with workers who were panicked because they were not working six feet apart. They were still shoulder to shoulder on the, on these machines that were moving very quickly. They were still punching in with their finger on a biometric clock. Um, there was no hand sanitizer. There was no extra time for hand washing for workers. So essential workers were not being treated with the same level of care as the most uh, famous essential workers, right? We're talking about dentists, uh, not dentists, doctors, nurses, the frontline workers that the news is really busy looking at. Nobody was looking at these essential workers in the factories. So we started a Chicago Workers Collaborative uh, web talk series where I'm moderating and I'm interviewing a, a worker and telling their, and so they could tell their story. And then we bring in an ally organization that's doing something to fight for workers. We've now filmed seven, I have now filmed seven web talks. So we're doing it. We're trying to do this work even when we can't be in the same room together. After speaking with Tim and Jasmine, I wanted to hear from Isaura Martinez about her experience. So I gave her a call. Isaura speaks Spanish and her comments here are translated by Jasmine Cardenas. But we kept Isaura's segments in their entirety rather than skipping ahead to English translation. So our Spanish speaking listeners can hear her statements in full. Isaura? Hola. Hola, Jasmine. Isaura, can you talk about how the work you've done with Jasmine and the theater group has had an impact on you? Pues ha sido una gran experiencia mm, en todos los sentidos. Eh, con la organización fue ha sido una experiencia de aprendizaje sobre mis derechos 
eh, eh, ya, no, ya no sentir con el miedo, porque sé cuáles ahora son mis derechos, gracias a la organización que me ha enseñado todo, todas esas eh, herramientas para mí. Um, I, I feel like um, I'm really grateful to First Chicago Workers Collaborative because uh, I'm no longer afraid to speak up, um, being able to learn to use my voice, but also that the collaborative has taught me the law and the and the and what rights I have as a worker, and that was really important to know my rights um, to help me to have the strength and the knowledge. Um, y con Yasmin ha sido un trabajo para mí que es otra parte muy importante para mí eh, de toda la experiencia que he recibido y que he vivido con, con el trabajo de Yasmin con el teatro es, es una parte donde yo uh, como persona empecé a sanar a sanar de alguna manera lo que mi corazón estaba oprimiendo por años de, de todo lo que viví en mis lugares de trabajo Um, porque aún sabiendo mis derechos um, de, como trabajadora, como persona, hacía falta algo más en mi vida. Y cuando llego a, a trabajar y a, y a conocer todo esto con eh, la labor que está haciendo Jasmine y con el teatro, ha sido un, lo mejor para sanar eh, eso que en mi corazón, todo lo que viví y una manera de, de liberarme de todo ese daño emocional psicológico. With this oh, work no. with Jasmine has been really important and incredibly transformative for me because it's been a, an opportunity of healing for me. I was carrying a lot of pain and a lot of fear uh, from the experiences that I had and I had um stuffed those down inside, but working with Jasmine in the theater has allowed me to heal so much pain. And although I knew the law before and although I knew what my rights were, I was carrying a lot of trauma. But this has been a very healing experience for me, and it's allowed me to deal with that emotional pain and that sorrow and to liberate myself from all of that. Can you talk about um a scene a scenario that the group has that you have um developed sí, pero la que la escena que a mí aún todavía me ha muy impactado es eh la escena de de la security la jefa donde yo he hecho ese ese personaje uh, me ha impactado bastante porque me hizo uh, Creo que cada vez que se hice esa escena continuó fue recordar y vivir ese momento, pero ahora ya lo, lo vivo y lo siento diferente. ¿Por qué? Porque la primera ocasión que lo hicimos eh, me dolía. Me dolía recordar esos momentos de, de cómo la jefa me trataba en la línea. Me dolía y lloraba. Y recuerdo que, que a veces sí se me salían las lágrimas cuando estábamos trabajando en esa escena, Yasmin, pero al paso, entre más uh, pasó el tiempo, yo fui sanando y, a, y aprendiendo eh, de, de esa escena, del ser la corredora de línea y, y vivirlo, eh, fue un aprendizaje tremendo para mí, porque sané, 
entendí que después de repetir esa escena una otra vez, fue un proceso donde saqué algo que guardaba en mi corazón, en mi ser, y, y que ahora puedo decir que, que gracias a, al teatro eh, pude ya sanar ese, esa herida que estaba en mi corazón y que ahora lo hago, pero lo hago de diferente manera, con ahora lo hago segura, pero actuando. Este, gracias. Um, another scene that uh, a scene that actually has always stayed with me because of its impact on me was a scene where we created um, a line in a factory where um, where product is moving on the line and there's a line runner uh, like the boss or like the the foreman on the line who's pushing and yelling at us and and treat us treating us terribly and I had to be her I got to play that role of the boss the pusher the the one who's humiliating everyone and and shoving them and and being forceful and i understood for the first time replaying that scene over and over again i was able to see myself and how that actually had hurt me and how that behavior had really affected me and by being the lady who is a nasty boss i was able to heal inside of me a, an incredibly deep pain that I didn't even realize I was carrying. Um, but thanks to the theater, I feel like I was able to heal that part of me that was a victim and 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 now take ownership and power so that I could take power away from her. And that scene has really stuck with me because every time we play that character, I play her, but I play her from a different place now. And it's not the same painful place, but it's a place of power. What was uh, seeing beyond caring at Looking Glass? What was your experience of that? Esa experiencia fue lo más hermoso de mi vida. Fue como como trabajadora, como persona, fue un logro para mí. ¿Por qué un logro? Fue un éxito para mí pues, como trabajadora ver esa escena del teatro la primer, eh, que presentaron los actores. ¿Por qué? Porque yo des, yo lloraba, yo deseaba, um, cuando iba a trabajar, yo, de, yo lloraba, deseaba que lo que estaba sucediendo en muchos lugares de, de, de trabajo, en las compañías, yo quería que, que mucha gente importante y que esto, y que mucha gente se diera cuenta en la oscuridad que estábamos viviendo los trabajadores temporales. Yo quería que esto saliera a la luz. Y cuando yo vi la escena en el teatro con los, con los actores, me quedé impactada porque miraba la, la, la actuación de, lo, de los actores y miraba el rostro del público. Aprendí eh, que que todo se puede lograr, que llegó un momento donde, donde esto iba a dar un paso muy grande e importante, no nada más en mi vida como persona, sino iba a ser algo fuerte e impactante para mucha gente. Me impactó ver la escena con actores uh, y igual me ayudó a sanar aprender y, en, y, y yo me quedé sorprendida de que dije yo lloraba, pensaba que a nadie le interesaba 
lo que estábamos viviendo, lo que yo estaba viviendo en mi lugar de trabajo, y ver estos, estos actores que están haciendo esta escena de, de lo que yo compartí con ellos, para mí fue la mejor experiencia de mi vida. Y me impacta mi corazón. Dios mío. <risa> Gracias. Um, gosh, to see beyond caring, I'm taking notes so you know that I can try to do this better. <laughs> oh, because she says so many incredible things. Yeah. Um, seeing beyond caring for me was the most beautiful experience of my life. Like a worker, like a as a person, as a worker, it felt like an incredible achievement for me. And you ask why? Why would that be an achievement for me? Well, I I have to say that I thought for so long that these things, these pains and these horrible traumas that we were experiencing were living in the darkness and nobody cared and nobody knew about it, that it was just happening to us. And and I just wanted so badly for it to get out of the darkness and for everyone to see. And to see it there in the theater with important people sitting in the seats, business owners, leaders in the community, the general public, to have everyone see it. And as I sat in the theater and looked at their faces, as I sat in the theater and looked at their faces, I was so moved because I knew that it was not just for me, that it was not just impacting me, but there were so many people in the public that were going to know what happens to us. And I cried because I thought that it was only happening to me and that nobody else would care. But there they were, all the actors acting out the stories, the testimony that I had given them about my experience and all those people watching. And it just meant so much to have so many people care and see the story of, of pain and abuse that happens to us in, in, in the dark, in dark, quiet spaces. To have it there in the middle of the theater was so impactful. Yeah. Fue un giro total a mi vida, el teatro, esa experiencia, porque ahora me siento, me siento, soy diferente en el sentido de que ya no, no siento el miedo, eh, no siento ese sentimiento tan triste que sentía. Um, eh, todo esto me, me cambió la vida. Ahora soy una mujer más segura de quién soy y de que tengo derechos y de que mi voz es escuchada y, y de que el teatro me ayudó en muchas maneras para yo sanar. Por eso siempre me gusta usar la frase de que el, es, um, el teatro me ayudó a, a sanar por medio de, de, mi, de un, mi cuerpo, con, de una imagen congelada, mi, podía sacar y sanar lo que mi corazón callaba en ese momento y esa experiencia más bonita que tengo ahora gracias al teatro sigo de pie porque eh, aprendí a crecer emocionalmente como persona y sé el valor que tengo um, y sé mis derechos y como trabajadora temporal y como mujer, me siento, impactó mucho mi vida y le dio un cambio totalmente a mi, en mi vida el teatro. I have to say that being a part of this theater experience has given me 
and a completely 180 turn, a complete turn in my life from being a woman that was consumed by pain and trauma to feeling like an, a, an incredibly confident woman capable of speaking up. And I was able to, with the theater, be able to take out, uh, speak out the pain that I was holding inside and heal up all of the pain that my my heart was quietly uh, keeping that all the pain that my heart was um, quietly holding on to, I was able to get it out of myself. And that really allowed me to help, help me to grow up emotionally as a woman and, and find um, peace within myself and healing. And that, that concept of creating an image and, and getting it out of you by putting that image out into the world has allowed so much healing for, to happen for me. And I totally, um, I, I totally recognize that the theater has been the thing that has helped me to to heal in that way. Yes, I know my rights. Yes, I that's good information for me to have. But the healing element for my heart has been an incredibly um, fulfilling experience to give me the confidence that I have today. If you've listened to The Infinite Room before, you know that we always like to give a shout-out to one of our community partners. Well, it only makes sense that the organization we want to highlight this time is the one we've been talking about, the Chicago Workers Collaborative. You've gotten a sense of the incredible work that they do, the advocacy for workers, the protection of their rights and physical safety, among other things. But you can learn even more if you go to chicagoworkerscollaborative.org. Check them out there. Thanks. And if you like what you heard today and are inspired to make a donation to Looking Glass, heck yeah, you can do so at lookingglasstheater.org. And you should go there anyway just to see the vast array of online offerings we have for you until we can all gather together again at the theater or in a neighborhood near you. Our artistic director is Heidi Stillman. Our executive director is Rachel Fink. Audio engineer is Stephanie Senior. And our theme music is by Rick Sims. Please check out the Looking Glass website, lookingglasstheater.org, to find out about our next episode of The Infinite Room and other ways that you can stay in touch with the Looking Glass family. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next time. And in the meantime, stay healthy, strong, and powerful. <laughs>